fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host, along with Buck Slurp over at MMA Nerd. Uh, what's up, everyone? I don't have a clever opening today. We're just in Vegas. Uh, nothing funny about it. <laughs> just in Vegas. Yeah, UFC 296 returns to Vegas, and thank God it's not at the Apex Center. We were talking about that before we got on. Apex Center is the worst thing to happen to combat sports since, since what? COVID. Yeah, COVID. <laughs> hey, that was good. Okay, uh, that was really, really quick. So UFC 296, we have been a little bit spoiled these last couple cards. Have you noticed that? We these are awesome. Really, really crappy run for over the summertime, and now we're, we're right back at it. So uh, – Format of the show, as always, we're going to break down each and every fight in the main card. And we're going to give the disclaimer, we are not a betting program. But we're going to throw out some odds and tell you who we pick if you were, wink, wink, to bet or anything like that. Uh, but before we get started, we always dive into what is some of the news going on in the UFC today. Buck, take that one away, buddy. So this is kind of following up on... Um things that we have talked about in the past last time we were talking about Francis and Ganu going to the PFL uh, and how they were going to let him box. And, and the PFL has been getting all this money from outside sources. They're really starting to build something. So they've taken the next step and they have now acquired Bellator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bellator MMA is as of right now, they're still going to operate as Bellator uh, for the next like year or so. And the PFL is going to be putting on like champ versus champ fights mm. with PFL champions versus their corresponding Bellator champions. Um, so that should be a pretty interesting series. Uh, and they've already started to acquire uh, some Bellator talent. Uh, the last one I heard was Michael Venom Page, MVP. Oh, the UFC was, was going after him. They were. They. Uh, I was pretty convinced that the UFC was going to get him, but yeah. he went to the PFL. Yeah, what do you think that does for the landscape of MMA right now? Well, um, PFL is really starting to build into something, mm-hmm. but they have kind of one off though a little bit. Some so they've got stuff. the they've got the money, they've got the backing, they've got a lot of like. And where's the money coming from? Let's just throw that out there. It's coming from the uh, Saudi public investment it's fund. Blood money, baby! It's blood money. It, it's blood money. <laughs> But it, what they just don't have whatever magic that Dana and the Fertitta brothers put into the UFC mm-hmm. way back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Well, whatever the magic two. that was that made it what the UFC yeah. is today. The P- as of right now, the PFL just I, doesn't grab me like like no. the UFC does. And, and Bellator, it seemed to grab me more back about 10 years ago than it has in the last – five or 10 years. I don't know yeah. what it is from that. You know, they, they, they got really big into acquiring the UFC's like old retired talent mm-hmm. uh, and bringing them back in, which was, you know, interesting, but you knew you weren't getting the best version of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping that there would be a more competitive landscape for the UFC just, just because of the way, you know, taking care of the fighters and stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Dana, as always, and as expected, said this is a joke. You know what's going to happen if one crappy organization buys another. It's not going to change anything. I think this could be the start of something. Well, we've seen this before, right? We saw this with Strike Force and Bellator, right? Didn't Bellator acquire Strike Force? No, um, 
uh, uh, the UFC acquired Strike Force, but the the head of Strike Force, Scott Coker, took yeah. over for Bjorn Rebney at Bellator. So okay, that's the Strike Force right. influence. Yes, yeah, so there was Scott another Coker. one. There was another one too, which was the um, mm, mm. it's like a Texas Hold'em name. I forget what it's called. There was the oh World Series of Fighting. World Series of Fighting. Yeah, World Maybe Series that's of Fighting is now the PFL. They like rebranded. Wow, I should have done my research. There, there, there's I, so I didn't realize you, you know, like, I, there's so many like me, rebrands me, and switches. You're me look bad right now is what you're doing. I, we're not talking about punches yet. You know, <laughs> not that's, yet. That's where I excel. Fine. That's yeah. where I excel. Um, so anyway, it's gonna be interesting to see how this this all plays out over the next couple of years. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's still it's still not going to drive my interest yet. You know, it's going to take a little while. You know, maybe when the, Jake Paul gets involved, they, he is. I know he's <laughs> Jake involved. Paul. I know he's involved. Um, the uh, the Nate Diaz. other thing, yeah, maybe, hopefully. Here, the other thing that is kind of working in the PFL's favor is the antitrust lawsuit that's still going on. Um, Kung Lee et al. versus the UFC. Um, they just released a number of text messages between uh, Dana and the Fertitas and the matchmakers, Joe Silva and oh, I can't the remember guy. the other guy's name. Uh, Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby or something. I think it was Joe Sean Silva. Sean Shelby, right? It's one of them. But they were like talking about like the the practices that they use like they were like talking about how we want to give uh so and so this oh, it was nate diaz i think or back in the 2000s or tw- the 2010s um it was right before he fought benson henderson they were saying we want to give him a title shot and we want to give him x y and z um but if he's not going to take that we're gonna give him a longer contract uh and for less money and you know then we're going to put him against somebody that's a killer right at the end of his contract. It came Mm. like, it it was kind of like rumored and like kind of like a known secret that that's what they do. Mm -hmm. But it has come out now, like proven like through text messages that the UFC will purposely put a fighter at the end of their contract up against somebody that they're way overmatched against, uh, like it hoping that they will get destroyed and it'll, tank their value uh and no other promotion will pay as much yeah they do it like just to hurt them so that if the fighter tries to look somewhere else their last fight is yeah. like a, a devastating loss and they can't get as much which money. is a big deal in the ufc because you only have a couple shots per year and once you lose yeah. it's like in boxing it's not as, as dramatic as boxing where if you lose once all of a sudden everyone writes you off so they're out there crushing cans you know all the way up into the title fight mm-hmm. yeah that's uh you know, it's a dirty business. I, I I don't believe that that operates very differently than most businesses, though. If we're being candid with one another, you know, they just shouldn't have put in a text message. Well, so, well, maybe it doesn't operate differently than other promotions, but because this is the I'm just one talking about other businesses, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. But this could result in some serious like changes to like uh, fighter security and, and bargaining rights. Yeah, Kung Lee, Dude, that, the hero what, that MMA needed. Yeah, what, what was that, like 2012? 13? When was that guy in the UFC? Long time um, ago. He fought like Rich Franklin. Yeah, and... it was like old school style. 
Mm-hmm. And he yeah, didn't even so, need the money because he's he's an actor. So he's just doing what's right, man. Yeah, sticking yeah. up for the little guy. Apparently so. All right, are you are you ready to get into this 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 UFC two ninety six? Let's get to these fights because I'm so, I certainly am. Like I said before, we're gonna break down each and every fight and give our predictions. So just do a real high level on who's on this card and the implications of each. So Vicente Luque. Plus 275, taking on Ian Gary, minus 345. Tony Ferguson, plus 240 at lightweight, taking on the up-and-coming, slightly tarnished Patty Pimblett at minus 298. Uh, one of my all-time – no, I can't say that. Up-and-coming fighter that I love watching, without question, is Shavkat Rachmanov, minus 650, taking on Stephen Thompson, the best human ever to enter the UFC. And then for the title fight at flyweight, Alejandre Pantoja, minus 25, is taking on Brandon Royval, plus 154. And then a fight we've all been looking forward to, the return of Colby Chaos Covington, plus 140, for the title at welterweight, taking on Leon Edwards, minus 166. So let's get started. Vicente Luque, Fighting Ian Gary, the up-and-coming Irishman, the new Conor McGregor with all the, the pizzazz. So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> this is – I'm really excited about this one. Hell yeah, um, me too. It's great. It's a great card. It's a phenomenal I, card. To pre, yeah, you're totally right. Top to bottom. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the prelims. Don't get me distracted, but no, there's some totally. great prelims. I thought about too. putting some of those in here, but I'll you know, throw off the vibe, so I didn't. Can't go. Uh, we'd, we'd go forever. Uh Ian Gary's been a lot of fun. All, mm-hmm. His last couple of fights have been really, really impressive. Uh, Neil Magny was last. We thought it was going to be um, Jeff Neal, uh, mm-hmm. late replacement Neil Magny, and Ian Gary leg kicked him to death. It yeah. was amazing. He it got, looked like such a mismatch out there. That, which and, is crazy. And Neil Magny has always been the guy to upset the up-and-comer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he is, such a vet. He is, yeah, such a vet. Yeah, uh, it's crazy, crazy. He owned him, and I actually picked Neil Magny to win. <laughs> one of the one of the judges, I think I heard, gave Ian Gary three ten eights, which I think is totally totally justified. fair. Yeah, yeah, it was an ass kicking. Um, yeah. speaking of other people that get kicked apart, um, Vicente Luque got <laughs> totally outstruck on the outside. By Wonder Boy, mm-hmm. uh, it that was 2019 or something like that. Yeah, he's had some losses since then, but Jeff Neal and Al Muhammad. Yeah, two losses. the Wonder Boy loss stands out to me because it's probably going to be the closest to the way Ian Gary's going to try and run this. Um, I think Ian Gary distance. hits harder though. He might. He does. I mean, he. He cracks so uh, really, really well, and he's and it a seems great really hard striker. to close the distance on it. He seems strong as hell. Do you see him, you know, kind of manhandling Neil Magny out there? Yeah, he's he uh, absolutely manhandling him, which is surprising because you know the one thing we were talking about is Ian Gary. We we haven't really seen him on the ground very much because mm-hmm. no one ever gets him there because no one can not only not close the distance, but there's too many. Too many counters in effect with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because Vincente Luque has got, he's got some, a decent ground game. He's got some submissions to him, but I mean, he's primarily like a striker. That's the way we view him. Um, I see this as, hey, I have a question for you. I have an answer. Is Luque at the end of his contract? Is that why they're doing this? 
You think this all ties back into the antitrust? That's, that's <laughs> interesting. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think Luke is just like a, he, he's, he's such good, a, man. he's, he's never not in a good fight. You know, I can't imagine the UFC. Doesn't he didn't, like he didn't him. look very good against Bilal Muhammad though. It's good. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I would think that Luke was in there cause they wanted him to beat Bilal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. Especially because Bilal is such like a takedown heavy grappler and Luke's got, I have it here, he's got eight submissions and six of them are from the front headlock. Like, like he stuffed a takedown. Yeah, picture perfect. Yeah, his Darce in the Anaconda and Mm -hmm. that series. Yeah, he's good. Um, So that's probably He's good everywhere. Yeah, and he's only 32. Ian Gary is 26 years old. I I think that this is going to be a changing of the guard type fight. Um, you know, at least for coming up as as a contender, uh, Ian Gary's got a lot of eyeballs on him right now. I mean, there's a reason he's there. How many fights does he have in the UFC? What four fights in the UFC? Not too, yeah, four or five. Not too yeah, many. Not too many. Pretty early you, to be getting here, unless your name's Bo you Nickel. Do you think Ian Gary knocks him out? No. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I have him here as an inconsistent finisher. He was the first person to KO D-Rod, and he did that and made it look so easy. It took him out and won, but... Well, I have, another, qu- I have another question for you. Didn't or couldn't put away Magni. Yeah, go How for it. How much bad blood is there between these guys? I don't know if there's any. I see, do have that... That's that's where I see Ian Gary really excel. <laughs> when there's bad blood. When there's bad blood. Because I, I, the way he came out last time, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that side of him before. That's God. That's, he, was, he was dominant. Jesus. He, he got on my radar. That he, that's the fact that you ask if there's bad blood. I have a note here. That's pretty interesting. Ian Gary and um, Vicente Luque both train at Killcliffe FC. So they train together. They're training partners. Actively. Um, uh, Gary has left recently in the last year, I think, but is, um, or was at least a very regular. Hmm. Um, so they already know trainer. Yeah, they already know who's going to win. So yeah, maybe I I am interested Likely. to know. Likely, yeah. I have. Um, how will this affect their preparation, finishing instincts, and resilience to tricks and feints? So is like Ian Gary's usual game of counters and feints and setups. Has Luke seen that enough that he's not going to fall for it? Yeah. Or is going to be, you know, have an advantageous matchup to that? Ian Gary does have some holes in his game, mostly in the striking defense. Remember uh, uh, Kanong song had him very, Mm -hmm. very wobbled. So, I mean, that's that's, it's it's a small, it's a small, you know, bit of, of information for to say that he's weak or he's got like bad defense and yeah. like that because outside that yeah. i've seen it but uh i have here uh no one beats luke without a scratch this fight will test gary's durability totally well. um because luke is always <clears throat> willing to take a hit to give a hit and or has been very willing to make that exchange mm-hmm. and has usually won that trade so that's yeah. going to be interesting to see how gary responds to that and if he has to show his like his chin in this fight so I'm going to give my notes, which this is not very deep now that I look at it. Gary's youth, speed, power, momentum are going to be too much, but it's going to be really hard to finish him. Gary by decision. I think so. 
That's what I'm taking. I think Gary by decision is is correct. Okay. All right, moving right along. Tony Ferguson is taking on Patty Pimblett. Uh, Tony is plus 240. You know, he's uh, – what is he? Three or four losses in a row right now, starting with Gaethje. Is it is it six now? I only six. wrote down – so when I write down the notable fights, I only uh-huh. do the last three or four, and I just see yeah. a bunch of L's. So I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. So, and then he, Patty yeah. Pimblett, who's minus 298. So Patty Pimblett had a ton of shine taken off him with his uh, quote-unquote win against Jared Gordon which I don't believe was OW at all in his case. But what are your, what are your thoughts on this fight? This is, this is interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Tony's on a six fight losing streak. Patty's on a six fight winning streak, admittedly against much different levels of competition. Um, much. I'll, I'll go over his last three fights with Patty Pimblett and you can mm-hmm. decide. Jared Gordon, Jordan Levitt, Rodrigo Vargas, who I don't even know. And then Ferguson's last three were Bobby Green, Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler. And we can also sprinkle in uh, a Gaethje and who else was it? Uh, Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush. There you go. And um, who's who? Yeah, yeah, Nate Diaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, so, almost, almost, literally the top seven. <laughs> it's uh, he's Possibly got a decent in order. chunk in there. Yeah. Um, Tony has. Uh, now two in that two TKO KO losses, two submission losses and two decision losses in the, in that, uh, run. And Patty can do all three of those things. Um, which is, uh, it, it can, in my summarization, uh, summarization, this is Patty's fight to lose. He has a serious defensive flaw, um, numerous, uh, big, a big chin in the air hands are all the way down mm-hmm. and and he even leads like he'll lead with like a wide rear hook yep. which just it is just begs for a stiff jab counter or uh, what happens when he misses and he damn, he damn, he's like a 90 degree turn in his body which is gonna yeah. be i actually have that in mind too you know he's got great striking skills you know decent striking skills but i don't mm-hmm. think he's enough at this point to beat a top 10 uh, much of the shine has gone from Patty after a close fight with mid-tier talent, uh, solid power, wild striking. But but something I, I want to bring up. So Patty Pimblett was very, very pro-media, very pro-social uh, media, mm-hmm. not uh, in the build-up into it in, up until his last fight. And then he got that negative feedback from, you know, I heard about Joe Rogan saying he didn't think he won the fight. Uh, mm-hmm. All that, that uh the documentation of how much weight he was putting on, how unprofessional it was, and what's happened since then. We haven't heard of – I've barely heard a peep from Patty Pimple. Mm-hmm. So that might be the kick in the ass that he needed to take this mm-hmm. sport more professionally uh, because he did all – he did lose that fight to uh, his last fight. He did Jordan. No, was it Jordan? Uh, uh, Jared uh, Gordon. Jared Gordon, excuse me. So he did lose that last fight. We'll just throw it out there. I, I agree with Joe Rogan entirely on that. And I think Patty might be back in the lab trying to make this whole thing work out because, you know, he doesn't have that, that shine anymore. So, yeah, I think that's, that's right. I didn't see him balloon back up like he has done in the past. No. He was out, he was out for a year. Um, he had a, like a previous injury going into the Jared mm-hmm. Gordon fight and he needed surgery afterwards. 
And so I think that's why that contributed to that. that it contributed absence. to it, but he's extremely big on social media. Yeah. He's like that meatball and, Molly, you know, uh, the guy yeah, from th- whatever that bleacher, what is it? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Barstool. Barstool Sports. That guy was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that whole thing. All the wigs going on. Yeah. It, it, that but yeah, Patty Mania has passed, but I think that's probably for the best. Absolutely um, for the best. You're right. I think this is this could be a, a really good moment. And and this is um yeah, I have this is Patty's fight to lose. Mm-hmm. The things that he made like the the mistakes that he has made in the past, those are in my mind the only way Tony's gonna win this fight is if Patty is defensively flawed and leaves himself open after attacking recklessly. Yeah. Because Tony is losing his speed. He's losing his like his like agility. He's losing this like dexterity, but power is the last thing to go. And he has cracked every single one of his last opponents. Mm-hmm. Michael John uh, Michael Johnson Michael Chandler. Or Michael Chandler yeah. and um Nate Diaz and they did seem uh, like Bobby progressively show, slower, though. He, but he, when he lands on them, he has rocked all three of those guys. Um, yeah. And and even though Patty has a great chin, that's 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 the way that I think this goes south for him. Yeah, and Tony Ferguson, he's thirty nine years old. That's yeah, and he's been through so many wars, starting with Justin Gaethje, which was a life changing, I would imagine. Well, definitely in his case, a life changing set of circumstances physically uh yeah. you don't just walk away from that so you know my notes is um you know i don't think long term that that patty's gonna live up to the hype of what he had in 2021 2022 mm-hmm. uh but he's good and he's young and he's gonna be good enough to, to beat a flailing tony and this yeah. is gonna be probably tony's last time i think we see him in the octagon yeah because after this it's almost gonna be like an assault charge on on the ufc <laughs> They keep putting uh, to going back to your point about like Patty kind of changing his tune. I did mm-hmm. hear an interview with him recently um, where he said, like, I love Tony Ferguson. I want Tony Ferguson to go out on a win and then retire. It just can't be against me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that seems like like a different tone than he had in the past. This seems like uh, I respect where I am. I respect who I'm fighting. I respect the position I'm in, and I understand what's at stake. Sure, that's like a more focused, more grounded pimplet. That um, ever since hearing you say that, I think I'm I'm really leaning into that. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. And, and, and this is there. Good. There's a ton to lose for pimplet because if he doesn't win yeah. this, given you know, because he hasn't shown this amazingly dominant skill set, but if he doesn't win this, he doesn't win this clearly. Then he just goes back to being a regular guy, a regular yeah. fighter in the UFC. And that's not how you get on the main card. That's not how you get marquee matchups. You know, he'll be pulling up the tail of, you know, Barrett in the third fight, you know, in about two more UFC or three more UFC cards, right? I mean, that's yeah. just the reality of it. If, he, if, this, if he barely ekes by with this one, it's not going to get. So if it's if, if he's going to shine, now is absolutely without question time to do it. So I'm taking... I don't have how I'm going to do it or how I was going to do it, but I'm, I'm definitely taking Patty Pimblet in this one. I think Pimblet by sub. You think so? Yeah. He's good enough to get the sub, that's for sure. All right, moving right along. 
Shavkat Rachmanov, who is 17-0 and sits as a minus 650 favorite, which is amazing, taking on one of your all-time favorite fighters and, and arguably one of my favorite fighters too, uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who's, who's without question the nicest guy to ever enter the octagon and maybe also the best striker to ever enter the octagon. I think so. I, he is a puzzle and he has been a puzzle the whole time. And yeah, it, it's a, it is such a unique and interesting striking style. His rhythm, the way that he's always bouncing, um, it's so exhausting just to like watch how it looks like he's, he's point fighting out there. Yeah. It, 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 he's always bouncing. He's always, his heels are always off the ground. His hands are low, but he uses that to like counterbalance his head movement. Mm-hmm. And he uses that to strike from like hard to see angles. There's so he has so many unique tools. Uh, he switches southpaw and orthodox when he's um, southpaw and his right leg is forward. That's mm-hmm. his dominant kicking leg. He has a ton of different angles that he can kick from. He likes like lunging freight, like lunging sidekicks. He can do these like quick snap kicks, hook kicks from the opposite side. Um, like he can kick from any direction off of one leg in that southpaw position. And, and then, you know, switching to the opposite side, he's got his body kicks and he really, he can crack with his hands too. Um, totally he, can. he lunges, he lunges right into it and he blitzes through, um, and he angles out when he's done. He, I well, wonder, he's such a professional. Well, you were saying before, and I'm going to take a stat right from you. He's 40 years old and he's been actively participating in in martial arts since he for 37 of those 40 years so he started out when he was three years old and it shows right and i think that's what we're going to see more and more of in the ufc these guys that have come up fighting uh from the beginning not wrestlers that transitioned or kickboxers that are now taking wrestling classes you're going to see people that have done it the whole way through maybe not no maybe that's not a good example because he wasn't wrestling back then but anyway you understand my point <laughs> You know, what, what I find really interesting about, in, in addition to everything you said, is how straight his punches are, right? You know, you, you hear that a lot when you're, when, you know, you're watching UFC fight and Daniel Cormier or, or Joe Rogan pipes in about how, you know, looping punches, you know, they're always second. This guy has razor sharp razor sharp counters and all of them are straight, which means they always get there first. And because of the way that he uses his body from the... 37 years of technique. I mean, he's punching right through these people. And then when he, he gets out of the way, he uses an angle to escape. So he's not just running backwards like anyone that's new at striking would do. And then he's able to manage that distance with like the teep kick or he's kicking the front of the, uh, the front of the thigh, leg kick, spinning back kick to the, to the midsection. I mean, he's just really good at managing that distance. But, 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 this leads to my point. His last two losses are against guys that are really, really good at grappling. Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns. And what is Shavkat really good at? Do you know? Shavkat is really good at grappling. Oh my gosh. It's almost like we talked about this. Shavkat. Man. Uh, you know, this is a this is a setup right here. This is trying to introduce. So Shavkat is a really, really well-known guy for the hardcore MMA fan. Like guys like me and Buck. Right, MMA nerd, 
Cage Wisdom, we know who Shavkat Rachmanov. I knew who this guy was three years ago. But for most people, Tepid fans have no idea who this guy is. And this is going to be his coming out party because this is a much better matchup than a Neil Magny or anything like that. Uh, he's 29 years old, 17-0, born and raised in Kazakhstan, you know, one of those areas of the world that you see people like Khabib rolling out of. We haven't really solved those puzzles 100% quite yet. And he is uh, he's an absolute animal, and he has made – he has made every fight look absolutely pedestrian. And his last three wins, he went against Jeff Neal, went against uh, Neil Magny, and then and Carlston Harris, which I'm, I don't have a whole lot of information on him. But uh, it's interesting. I mean, how do you see this fight going, though? So, I, you know, in an ideal game plan, Rachmanov foregoes all of the striking and the only time he is throwing punches, it is in service of chewing up distance or raising wonder boys attention. Mm-hmm. or doing something like that. So he can get on a leg and get on a hip and take him down to the ground. Everything should be in service of that because in his last fight against Jeff Neal, I saw a lot of defensive flaws. I did too. He's good at rolling I, with punches. But yeah, a lot, of, he, yeah. He got rocked, and Jeff Neal's not. I mean, he's not a. He's not a Stephen Thompson. He's he's clever in his, and and I'll give him that. Uh, I have underestimated Jeff Neal uh, too many times. Yeah, but but he is not the same level of striker as as, as Stephen no, Thompson. He's not. But one, uh, so Rachmanov just like, like again, I saw he like led with rear uppercuts and. Um, when he cl- gets an opponent hurt, he love he works the body super well, and I'll give him that. Rachmanov does, but he does this big step up knee um, after he rocks somebody, and he'll push him against the cage, and then he'll take a big step with his left foot, and then just like launch into this big knee to the gut with his hands down, so that his hands are like ready to hit it, touch his opponent's shoulders, and like to close distance in a straight line that forcefully yeah. on one leg. I, there is just a lot of times where Rachmanov can get countered and he rolls with punches really well, but you can only roll with punches that you see coming. And that's part of what makes wonder boy. So like devastating as a striker. Okay. okay. So on the counter side of that though, so Shavkat's really good at putting pressure on staying in people's faces, getting them up to the back of the fence or to the fence you know, doing a grappling clinch exchange, a lot of times being successful, getting them down, you know, unloading some elbows. How do you think that that would factor into this fight? Because he's going to, Stephen Thompson's going to need to keep him at range to be able to win this fight without question. Yes. It, I, I think it's going to be a matter of whether or not he chooses to do like, uh, is whether or not Shavkat chooses to do it. Cause he just chose to pretty much stand and bang with Neil the whole time. Um, I agree with you. That was the least dominant I've seen him look. Cause outside of that, he's looked, extremely dominant totally and i think the way that gilbert burns and Bilal muhammad controlled wonder boy i believe that shavkat could as well um wonder boy's never been submitted that's you know he's he's only been knocked he's only been knocked out once in all the times he fought uh, uh go back and watch a wonder boy versus um tyron woodley back at ufc 205 
that was those are the fight worst of the night. Fight. Wait, which one the are you talking t- about? The first one. The first the one. Second was, one was, was the second one was second the worst one. fight. That was the worst fight I ever put on the UFC. No, no, the it worst was, fight was uh, Nagano versus uh, the Black Beast. Derek Lewis. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> but the first one, Wonder Boy. It was a split draw, and um, Wonder Boy got cracked. That guy has an iron chin on him. Mm-hmm. He really does, and a bunch of good survival techniques. No, only one KO. And, and 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 that KO came from Anthony Pettis doing some weird jumping Superman shit. And it's that's like the punches you don't see coming are the ones that mm-hmm. really hurt you. And I don't know if Shavkat will has anything clever enough to catch Steven by surprise. Maybe um, maybe not in the striking aspect of it, but no. you know, we're also comparing them right now as if Steven Thompson were under forty. Still, you're, you know, you're totally right. He's 40 years old now. And as a guy that's over 40, you wouldn't understand this. So anyone that's under 40, just tune out. But it affects your cardio. It affects how you take punches. It affects how you move. It's it's a depressing life once you're north of 40, buddy. It'd What's it like wonder. to own a home? Huh? I'll get into that. It's, it's Don't pretty, worry about it. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I think you're right. I, I think I'm, I'm talking up uh, Wonder Boy. But I think yeah. you're right. I think Rachmanov is going to do everything he can to get a hold of him early. Um, trips, throws. I really like those from the clinch. Um, you know, he's always got like a, a single or a double against the cage. Wonderboy is really good at staying off the cage. He's so disciplined about hitting mm-hmm. that black octagon in the center and always circling out. But you've seen him get pressed against the cage before it'll happen again. Yeah. Um, I think if, if Rachmanov isn't careful and if he doesn't learn his lessons from his last fight, wonder boy could catch him with something. I agree. Really clever. Steven Thompson really is slick. always a live horse and the, but, the minus six fifty do not reflect the risks there. Yeah. Yeah. They just um, don't. I, I, if I were someone, better i would not put money on something like this no way no chance yeah um but it should be it's rock bottom's fight to 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 lose i think it should go to him he should he should be able to to make a big name for himself off of this fight i hope so because i mean as much as i like wonder boy thompson i think the ufc put him in there as a showcase yeah. for Rachmanov because no, that's a this great is like name a, to have on your resume. It really is. Yeah, I mean that's one that I look for when I'm looking through. Like, oh my gosh, he he beat Stephen Thompson. That's that's a hell of a feather in his cap. So, uh, you know, this is a changing of the guard again, and I'm interested to see it. So I'm taking Shavkat Rachmanov. I don't know if there's going to be a finish. Uh, my guess is no. Oh man, I, I hope not. I hope not for 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 Wonder Boy. I I would like for him to be the first person to to even if he loses to be the first guy to survive. All right, here we go. So both taking shot cut. All right, so next we're getting into the flyweight belt title uh, co-main event. So Alejandro Pantoja. 26 and five is taking on Brandon Roy Vall, 15 and six. And if you don't know, uh, this is the second time these guys have fought. Yeah. Um, this is two years ago, I think. And yeah, I told you won that fight. 
Yeah, he got a, a rear naked choke in the second round. Mm-hmm. Pretty much exactly how he wins every fight, every single fight he can. Yep. Um, talking about the UFC setting fighters up and and um, trying to pick their winners and trying to you know play the game like that. I I think the UFC wants Pantoja to win um, because they don't want to put Brandon Royval uh, on this many on too many like pay-per-view main or co-main event spots because how are you going to get that kind of audience and then make Bruce Buffer say Brandon raw dog Roy Val. <laughs> <laughs> There's you can't do that. That's Bruce is, he's like, like the 70. F- the FCC to make you sure can't that's make okay. Him say raw dog. <laughs> yeah. Poor man. Anyway. Yeah. No, um, I, 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 I agree with you. Uh, I also think that that Brandon Roy Vall must he's just kind of that number one contender guy that I mean Brandon Moreno so you know Pontesia beat Brandon Moreno and he looked damn good doing it he beat yeah. Perez he's great Roval Roy Vall whatever and not a lot of people know a lot about Brandon Roy Vall right not a lot of people know about Alejandro Pantoja. This is a, a little bit of the, the no-name, 125-er kind of thing. And after we lost, you know, Moreno versus uh, Figueredo, that division is completely torn apart with any name-brand recognition. So I don't think that this is going to move the needle for the UFC. So I don't know exactly. I, that's why it's a it's why it's a co-main event and not a main event. Well, so I think that the, the that was kind of the problem is all these guys – in flyweight flyweight division is so good there are a so ton good. of killers at flyweight um they just don't but, move the needle though I don't well know they've why. all been fighting each other but none of them can get title shots or haven't been able to because nobody other than brandon moreno and davison figueredo fought for the title for three years yeah they, they fought was it, brandon was moreno four, four four times right four times in a row. yeah and uh, Brandon no, Moreno no, no, fought no. Uh, uh, Kaikara France, right? Brandon fought Kaikara France in the middle of those four, but Figgy just fought him four times in a row. That's incredible. And for three years, there was nobody else fighting for the belt except those two guys. And so everybody else who was trying to make a name for themselves, and they just had to stay at this like second tier. And if you stay there that long with that many killers, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, nobody gets out of the band, the, the flyweight top 10 alive Mm -mm. there's just too many sharks in that tank um and and this and but it doesn't mean that they're bad that means they're all really no they're they're all very good and it's super fun watching them but they just don't have that yeah it's tough i don't know what Um, it is i think it's you know there's not a lot of there's not nearly i would assume i don't have the data to back this up but not quite as many knockouts just because of the size uh, but their scrambles are unreal. Their grappling exchanges are unreal. And I think that Brandon Moreno and Figueroa uh, did a good job putting 125 on the map. But we need they, there's got to be a better dance partner. You know, we needed one of yeah. those guys to stick you know stick in for one of these ones and and do it again because I don't think that that Brandon Roy Vall is going to move it. And I also think it's not going to be it'd be a good fight for the first one because Roy Vall is all action fighter. If you don't know. Uh, incredible pace. He's got incredible ground skills. Uh, but when he pushes the action, he leaves quite a bit of openings. And that's not a really good decision against Pantoja, you know, because Pantoja yeah. can lay the wood. And he can I, grapple with the best of them. I mean, look at Brandon Moreno. 
He beat Brandon Moreno. He beat he beat Brandon Moreno three times. Yeah, three times. And, sorry. So Pantoja is. Uh, this is as as much as we're like bemoaning how this isn't like gonna get all the attention or yeah. get as much as it should. It should get it because it's a great. This fight. is going to be an incredible fight. Pantoja's last fight against Moreno was incredible. This one's going to be fireworks well, for as long as it lasts. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good fight because Pantoja's in it. I, I don't think that Roy Vall is nearly as good as Pantoja. You know, maybe not. Um, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm just so speaking. My what mind I think, here. what I think is Roy Vall, One of his best skills is his scrambling ability. He is so hard to pin down. He is so hard to control on the ground. He twists and and hits switches and escapes and uh, and gets his frames and he inverts when he needs to and he mm. dives on legs and he does all of that so well, so fast, but not but not better than Pantoja. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just watched their last fight and this was an excellent fight. If you want to go back and watch it, uh, if you're listening before the fights um, this weekend, it's up on YouTube right now. Uh, Pantoja versus Roy Vol one. And the first round is Pantoja getting this back and just, pursuing over and over and over and over again he gets the back in an instant mm-hmm. if there's a single over commitment on the feet uh, uh pantoja will duck his head and put his head behind his opponent's shoulder and then like lift up so just so his opponent can't pull his arm back and then he's gonna duck around and gonna take the back and he's so good at that and and this is a a great jujitsu grappling initiation sequence um, we've talked about it. How many times have we talked about a great jujitsu player who can't get a takedown? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, Damian Maya, um, um, Crone Gracie, like all these guys who are such killers on the ground, but can't get a fight there. Uh, Pantoja just decides I'm going to get to the back and that's how I'm going to initiate all these grappling, uh, exchanges. And he, was how do I have this here? Um, I, I wrote I wrote it word for word when I watched this fight. Um, Pantoja was able to take Royval's back on multiple occasions during the first round, but the constant rolling hand fighting from Royval kept him defended long enough that he was able to get back to his feet. The finish came in round two when Pantoja took the back again from the standing rear body lock position by kicking out Royval's leg and then pulling him backwards into his back with hooks. The difference in round two was that when Pantoja pulled Royval down on top of him, he sat down with his back against the fence so that Royval was sitting upright in his lap and couldn't immediately start to roll because of his crunched position. Mm. So Pantoja made the adjustment between the first and the second rounds to in order to, to nullify or neutralize some of that scrambling ability that he was going to sit his own back against the fence as he sat down for the takedown uh, or sat down uh, and pulled him into his like back with hooks because once, you know, Royval was in this like L sitting position with his legs out in front of him, but his chest and back were upright he doesn't have the same sort of maneuverability and he doesn't have the same like number of options of scrambles. Um, and that's why he wasn't able to like fish, you know, like, like fight hooks off and, and, and pummel and hand fight enough to get out of there. It was the second time 
as soon as they sat down against the fence, uh, Pantoja was able to get both hooks in, switch the body lock, um, locked in his rear naked choke. So, well, for two things that come to mind. Number one, I can't believe you write in full sentences like that. That's amazing. Mine, mine's chicken <laughs> scratch. Um, <laughs> and, and number two, if I'm hearing you correct, do you think that that was just a circumstance I was lucky to have happen? Or do you think that no. do you think that was a, no. a planned maneuver to get him up against the cage to put him in that position? And that's something we I think look he did that on purpose in the next yeah. in the next fight. Yeah, I think look for Pantoja to take um, Roy Valdez, uh, you know, try and take his back. That's near the, fence. the first step. He's got to wait for a big overcommitment or or counter a, a big shot from Roy Val. Yeah. Get his back against the fence and then sit down in a way that's going to crunch Roy Val and stop him from being able to scramble. Cause Roy Val is so good at it. Yeah. Um, he exhausts even like the, the best of the other grapplers, the scrambly grapplers at that weight class. He's so maneuverable. He's so twisty. Um, and he's got really sharp striking too. So he does, but, you know, as he does, he's, as much he, he as, deserves to be there. He's just, he's just not as well known entity as I bet the yeah. UFC would like at this point. As much as yeah, um, so the the way that Roy, it's kind of it's just a little unfortunate the way that Roy Val um, gets a lot of his wins. He's got like four wins by submission or something like that, mm-hmm. um, or no, he's got four KOTKOs and like nine subs, and he gets a lot of them with his guillotine. He's got an awesome guillotine, but Pantoja doesn't really shoot. Uh, for like a single leg or like a traditional wrestling shot, you know, in the way that presents those mm-hmm. guillotines the most. So it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. I think so Brandon Royval, I Pantoja, I don't think Royval can beat Pantoja, but I think he can beat almost anybody else who tries to yeah. welcome to one twenty five, right? <laughs> yeah. So well, you, ever, you, ever, you ever seen, you ever seen the, the UFC game? Yeah. They didn't even have enough faces to like fill out the top fighter brackets. It just like it just trails off at seven or something like that. I know. I just show some love to my short kings, dude. I know. I I am, but I don't think anybody else. I don't think a lot of people. Other people are, but uh, they're missing out. They are. Well, you know, I like I said, Moreno, Figueroa were the best things ever happened that division. All right, moving right along. Missing out though. The handsome and talented listeners of the K's Wisdom Podcast. That's right. You guys got a full serving tonight or tomorrow, whenever you listen to it. All right. So now we're coming up. Uh, We have very differing opinions on the uh, uh, character of one of these individuals. But Colby Covington is taking on Leon Edwards for the welterweight title. This is his third attempt at a title. And let's yep. just admit this is going to be his last attempt if he does not win. So yep. I'm extremely excited about this fight. Um, you know, it's it's hard to gauge exactly what's going to happen because it looks like Usman, after losing to Leon Edwards, has really lost a step. You know, uh, in his last fight against Hamza, he just looks like a different guy right now. Uh, so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting in that case. But what are, what are your thoughts on this fight? Uh, I have a ton of respect for Colby Covington, the fighter, and I am very tired of Colby Covington, the fight promoter. Oh, I, love, uh, I love Colby Covington, the fight promoter. But that's okay. Um, yep. 
watching watching Covington is I mean it is incredible. The guy his output is insane and his chin. His chin he's durable but does it quit? The, like the the skill of his takedowns is is awesome to watch. I ha- I broke it down to th- I have three parts. Uh, TD success comes from three factors. His technical skill, he's running the pipe um, when he gets that single leg. He is he's he never skips steps. He's always, you know, he's lacing his leg and he's always doing like the the right moves when he needs to get the takedown and he the second one was his athleticism. He shoots, he reshoots, he follows, he chases. He he is such a like a complete wrestling threat that he is going to like pursue the whole time. And it's it's, it's awesome to watch. He's, it's exhausting to to watch. Yeah. And um the third one I have is his timing. Um he sh- like he, I just said he knows when he he shoots he'll reshoot he'll pursue he'll chase and he also knows when to not do that uh which is as important he will initiate a takedown and recognize that it's disadvantageous and abandon it before he wastes his energy and he'll make you defend it and make you take the steps to to stop it and he won't follow up again because he knows that that's a losing battle Mm -hmm. and then he'll go right back to striking and then put that pressure on and shoot again um that is at some of my favorite mixed martial arts it's i love to watch it um he is let down or has been let down in the past by being a little pillow fisted is what people Mm -hmm. have said um i don't know he's got like one tko ever maybe two uh and the last one was against tyron woodley it's just not yeah, style. he just he overwhelms people with strikes um, and it serves his purpose. He doesn't really have the threat of like KO power. Yeah, but but I but mean, we don't we don't very, know very if he, far if without he it can't do it. And, you know, that's one of the, the things, I guess, the strikes against Colby Covington. For those that know the, the backstory, he was four and oh in the UFC and they were planning on cutting him. Because he was not perceived as a fun fighter to watch. And then that's when we saw this, the shtick get built up where he became Colby Chaos Covington uh, and, and really built his name around there. So while he might not be able to go in there and knock people out, whether that's because he can or just because of the, the type of, of fighter that you are, you know, yeah, I guess type of fighter that he is. Uh, I forgot what my train of thought was there. I completely lost that. Uh, you know, but, but you're right. He, he had to like build himself up because he didn't like, he didn't have like a streak of knockouts and he didn't have a streak of finishes. And it's, it, it's not the most exciting thing to watch somebody get held against the cage. It is. Unless you're in, yeah. Unless you're emotionally, unless you're invested in the skill of that grappling, then, and then, and you can, or you're you're invested in the storyline and, and exactly. And he has arguably had the best storylines and, and I think this is going to be a, a, you know, this is his last chance at the title. He's 35 years yeah. old. Uh, he's, you know, been kind of going back and forth. He, he beat Jorge Masvidal, lost to Usman, won against uh, Tyrone Woodley, also lost against uh, Usman, Robbie Lawler. Every single one of those, every single one of those had a storyline behind it. And I was really concerned with Covington because 
you know, after he got basically axed and kicked out of ATT, uh, you know, I was like, well, what are they going to find? You know, we always talk about, mm-hmm. you know, training camps and, and, and partners make fighters. Uh, but whoever he went with, and I don't remember their name off the top of my head right now, uh, has he done it. Fight masters. Yeah, whatever they are, uh, they've done a damn good job with him. And you know, the thing I like about Covington, outside the fact he's got amazing cardio, granite chin, yada, 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 uh, he's got tremendous self-belief and he's got zero quit. So the only way that I see this possibly going south for him is if he gets um, you know, knocked out, which is a real possibility with, with Leon Edwards because Leon Edwards is a re- really, really, really good striker. He's got really good setups. Um, he's also very dynamic, athletic. And he he's he's a good grappler. He's a really good defensive grappler for sure. But you know what what are the odds in this fight again? Um, let's see here. I so think Leon is a slight favorite. Minus one sixty six, and Covington is plus one forty. Uh, how do you see this fight the, going? The thing I think that the first line of defense, or the like, the first thing to watch it for is Covington's ability to put the pace on. Um, he really wants to put that pace on and his game is built around putting that pace on and Leon Edwards does everything a fighter needs to do to slow a fight down the way that Leon faints and counters and initiates clinches and separates all those things that are built to stop a fighter from being able to fight at the pace that they want. If Colby tries to pursue Leon as reckless as, as recklessly as he or not as recklessly, but as doggedly as he has done in the past, there are going there's going to be too many counters and too many setups and too many feints, I think, to to be able to just charge forward and put the pace on bell to bell. I, I, yeah. I think he Leon stops people from building momentum and kind of makes them frustrated with their range and and when they have avenues to attack and and when they have um you know when they have opportunities and openings uh and and Covington gets in clinches a lot too um he will just he'll tie up on a body lock and go against the cage and Edwards is really really good in the clinch I love watching his clinch work. He frames really well um, with his elbows and his knees, and he does a ton of damage. He strikes while he's breaking the clinch. Um, even though he's good in the clinch, he doesn't yeah. hold it forever. And, and that's one thing to, to build on that point. Covington is really good at, at getting into the clinch, and if he feels like a takedown's not there, he, he abandons it early because he doesn't want to drain his energy. And if yeah. Leon... You know, well, we know that Leon is really good at setting up those those elbows on the break from the mm-hmm. glitch. That could be a real problem with Covington. Uh, on top of that, let's not forget that Covington was assaulted by Horse Hey Masvidal in in, in a Miami like Bert or a steak joint, and he had <laughs> quite he had quite a bit of uh, of damage to him. And I think it's been how long has it been since his last fight? It's been well over a year. Yeah, it's been about a year and change. Year and change. Um, so this is his first fight back. So we got to factor in that too. 
he, you know, it, outside of his whole shtick, which I hope nobody here actually believes, you know, my, my understanding and in, in talking to people that are in the business is he's a really, really nice guy behind closed doors. Uh, I've heard that. Yeah. He, he's a good guy, but he's, he's a constant professional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a shtick to build, put asses in seat. He's done a great job with that. Uh, he's also got the talent to prove it. And he was the best fighter for a long time outside of Usman. And the other thing about Leon Edwards that, you know, I, I think it's easy to forget. He was quitting when he was getting taken down and dogged by Kamara Usman in his first fight. Uh, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact, they were yelling him, don't quit, don't quit. You're quitting, you're quitting. Don't give up, don't give up. And that's when that, that kind of haymaker head kick came out. But that was a, a looked like a defeated fighter during that. And I think that's the type of pressure that he's going to have to deal with with Colby Covington because we can all admit, and just looking at Kamara Usman's last fight with Hamzat, uh, and the fight before that on his second fight with uh, Leon Edwards, that he's he's not the same guy. He's got a lot of damage on his knees. He can't do road work. Uh, and you can just see it by the way he's walked, you know, by the way he is in the cage. Usman is a, is a fading fighter right now. He's a great human being, don't get me wrong, but he's a fading fighter. Uh, I think that Colby Covington is going to put a pace on that's going to be very dangerous early for him because Leon Edwards has, has tremendous knockout power. Uh, he's going to have a really hard time catching him, getting a hold of him. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of, of risk in the breaks, but I think as the fight goes along, if Edwards isn't able to get some good shots off uh, in the first two rounds, that Covington is going to start to break Edwards will, which we have seen before uh, in his first fight with, with uh, Leon uh, uh, Kamar Usman. Leon Edwards' first fight with Kamara Usman. And while he may not be quite the force that Usman is on the ground in terms of power and raw strength, I think that the level of conditioning and doggedness that he's going to bring to it is going to be a real problem for him. I, it's, hard to, it's hard for me to argue against that. Um, I, I, Good. It is a th- it's, a, it's a threat. <laughs> I, I, I just – I. I, I see Leon being a little bit too slick. Um, I, I love his takedown defense um, against the cage. I love his uh, ability to scramble on the ground and and, and separate and get back up. Uh, I, I think his striking is – it creates the pace. It's, it, it prevents um, that constant pressure that Colby needs. That's true. I, I – I, I think this is going to be and Edwards, I, and I think it's going to be by decision. Okay. And I, I mean, I can't think of a, a fighter that, that Covington has, has fought, at least in the last three or four years, that would resemble anything that we've seen. I mean, the closest would be, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Robbie Lawler is the most crafty fighter. Uh, and uh, Masvidal, Masvidal, maybe. But uh, Masvidal is also one of those fighters that, you know, he hit, a, he hit an apex and then you know, father time yeah. just caught up with them. And cause it yeah, wasn't was the same 39. fight. It wasn't the same fight. 39 with like 35 fights or something like that. Yeah. And, and this one was pretty personal and you know, Covington can wrestle, man, man, can he wrestle? Here's what I'll say. Uh, if you want to look for something, if, if you are making a bet on this fight, uh, find somebody that will let you bet on how many fouls there will be because <laughs> Leon Edwards <laughs> yeah. fouls, so, so many often times. 
he I, I it just in the last fight against Usman, he had like two eye pokes, a groin kick and like a major fence grab in one round. Yeah, the fen- <laughs> the fence grab thing. Yeah, that because if that happens and he doesn't lose a point because this is going to be definitely I think this is without question going to be a decision. These guys are really hard to put away, especially at this Both level. And, you know, I might be a little bit biased in this whole thing, too, because uh, Covington's an Oregon guy. Springfield, sure is. And I want to see Covington win. I want to see him. I, I think that Leon Edwards is a great fighter, but I think from a personality standpoint, uh, he doesn't bring a lot of eyeballs to the UFC. And that's, you know, that's why I'm doing this right now. This is not my day job. Uh, this is something I'm doing because I just love the sport and I'm trying to bring awareness to it and the intrigue of the matchups and, and so on and so forth. So I think Colby Covington would be a great, albeit a relatively short, uh, tenured uh, uh, welterweight champion. And I also thought Leon is going to be a, a relatively short tenured welterweight champion. And I think Colby Covington is going to be the one to dethrone him. And then I think Colby Covington is he gets a little bit older and I don't see him uh, sticking around a real long time there because there's just so many killers. Shavkat time, baby. Shavkat. Yeah, Shavkat gets in there with these guys. Look out. You know. But, yeah, neither nor there. So, yeah, I think we're both going to take. to find out. We're, uh, no, I'm taking Covington. You're taking Leon. So that is the news to us, right? That's it. All right. When is the next UFC fight? Do you know? Off the top of your head. The one after this, I think, is, is it in January. In January. Yes, it's the 20th. There's actually a pretty significant gap. Um, there's no UFC for like three weeks mm, or something like that, that sucks um, but there might be one pay-per-view in or one fight night card in between uh this one and um ufc 297 which is in toronto it's sean strickland versus Drickus duplessis for the wow. middleweight uh middleweight belt speaking and of guys that won't hold a belt for very long two Two title fights. Don't forget Ra- Raquel Pennington versus Myra Bueno Silva for the bantamweight belt, the uh, vacant bantamweight strap. Who and who? Oh no! Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Well, that one's going to require some research. Uh, who, who's she fighting again? Raquel Pennington and Myra Bueno Silva. I don't even know who Myra Bueno Silva is. I feel like she just fought Holly Holm and choked her out in two rounds, oh, but then is? tested. I think so. Uh, and then she tested positive for Adderall and they, oh. they, o- well, they overturned it. We know she was focused for the fight, right? <laughs> she <laughs> sure was. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it to us. So uh, we will be back just like Buck said uh, for the fight for UFC 297. Hope everyone enjoyed it and we will see you soon. Look forward to, all this information on our Instagram page. And we'll also be cutting a little video after this as well, doing all of our picks in five minutes or less. But if you saw this, I don't need to go look at that. All right, everyone have a good one. Talk to you soon.